Hey, good morning. How are you? This is Brittany coming at you. Welcome to episode 16 of Fiddle and Pipe. Catherine and I had recorded some really cool announcements. Unfortunately, she forgot to send them to me and then she went on vacation. Who even goes on vacation? So, y'all are stuck with me for today. Just a quick shout out that today is actually Catherine's birthday. Yay! You know what I think she'd really love for her birthday? I think she would love it if y'all would just quickly drop everything. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you would rate and review us, preferably with a five-star rating, we will read your review on air. It'll be really cool. We love reading what you say. It really inspires us. If you want to do even more for Catherine, really for me too, but also really for Catherine and her birthday, y'all can support us on patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. This is where we have a $5 per month tier that's only $1.25 a week. This is where you can access our happy hour podcast, which we'll be releasing twice a month, as well as bloopers and outtakes from certain episodes. We had a good question come to us. For those of y'all who are international listeners, you actually can donate to our Patreon. You don't have to be in the U.S. or be an American to use it. It'll just convert your currency. If you still want to support, but Patreon doesn't float your boat. We also have Anchor listener support. There are three different tiers, and you can find that at anchor.com slash fiddleandpipe. Unfortunately, we can't offer you anything on the listener support, but if you wish to support us either way, we really do appreciate it. Podcasting has really turned into a full-time job for both of us, and this helps make our podcast better. Different equipment, different books, maybe different people. Maybe we can hire someone to edit these podcasts so Catherine doesn't forget to send stuff to me. Our podcast will always be free, but if y'all think that our podcast is worth $1.25 a week, you know, we appreciate it. We'll read your name on air. If you are unable to or simply don't want to financially contribute, you can also join our Facebook group that is called Fiddle and Pipe Forum. There we will be sharing sneak peeks into future episodes. We have conversations about what we discuss in current episodes, you know, whatever y'all want to talk about. It's a growing community of like-minded individuals. If you want to go above and beyond for Catherine, if you want to sit down with a friend and show them our podcast, we would really appreciate it. Word of mouth is the best way that we're going to grow and a direct recommendation from you to another person is more influential than anything we could ever do. Last but not least, I had the honor of being on Matt Richards' podcast, Mmm, Conversations. That's three M's, so it's M-M-M, Conversations. We discussed the Olympics and COVID. So if you want to listen to a musician talk about their perspective on COVID and the Olympics, you should definitely tune into that. It should be dropping this week. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, I am at BM Ross Music and Catherine is at Cat Flinch Flute. And that's all I have. Thanks for lending me your ears and here's the episode. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flinchin and I play the pipe. And together we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. 
So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. I'm recording. I hope you recorded that. Mm-mm. <laughs> I waited until What I a great there. way to start the podcast. So, good morning, if you're listening in the morning time. Top of the morning to ya. I lift my hat at you. Oh, are you being Irish today? Uh, really bad Irish. Are you Irish? Uh, yeah. I can see it. I can see it. Is it the love of alcohol? Maybe. I can see it. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So. It, speaking of alcohol, <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of alcohol, what? <laughs> I can't think. I was thinking about the happy hour podcast on our Patreon, but this is not it, so. Uh, I am drinking a a bubbly. It's a blackberry bubbly. It's a very bubbly. Tastes like blackberries. I'm drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> Just plain, old, simple water. Welcome to Fiddle and Pipe Sad Hour, where we don't have alcohol. No, we don't. No. But for real, though talking about sad hour we're gonna be talking about failure today and rejection and all that lovely stuff that we also don't like yeah so chapter seven is failure is the way forward which is pretty uh pretty interesting he starts the chapter off by arguing that failure is relative really based on your perception and how you're measuring it and what your goals are he has this section that I thought was interesting where he talks about Picasso drawing on a napkin. Oh. <laughs> so he was in a restaurant or like a coffee shop or something and he was like just doodling on a napkin and there was this woman who was very low-key interested in what he was doing and after he was done drawing on it he like crumpled it up and was gonna throw it away and she's like um wait Mr. Picasso I would love to buy that napkin from you and he's like okay That'll be, and he named a crazy high price for it. It was mm-hmm. like $10,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and, that's reasonable, though, for And she's Picasso. like, yeah, and she was like, whoa, whoa, what? And she's like, that took you five minutes to make. And he's like, actually, it took me 60 years because he's accounting for all the time that he has put into honing his artistic craft. Mm-hmm. And that reminded me of how we are taught as musicians to not undersell ourselves because of the amount of like time and money that we put into mm-hmm. honing our craft. So, you know, if you get a string quartet for your wedding and it's depending on who you are, it's like between four hundred and a thousand dollars or so. Some people are like, Wow, that's wicked expensive but it's like, okay, not really because you gotta think that I gotta pay each musician two hundred dollars. I mm-hmm. gotta pay them more if they're playing outside. I have to pay for mileage. I have mm-hmm. to pay for music that we have to buy. I have to compensate for rehearsal time. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to charge for a contracting fee. So when you break it down, it's all very logical. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because I think people that don't really understand what it's like to live a freelance musician life, they don't know. Mm-hmm. I think there is this blind stereotype. I'm going to say blind stereotype because... I think people just don't realize that this is our career this is what we do I mean we decided to follow our passions and make a career out of it this is not a hobby this is not something that we mm-hmm. do for fun now there are people that do mm-hmm. that as for hobbies for fun which is there's no problem to that mm-hmm. but those who are professionals and treat this like a serious profession should be treated like that but there's this again there's this 
blind stereotype that, oh, like, we do this for fun, and so it should be free or low cost, and it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'll just give you $50, and you can have some dinner. It's like, no. Yeah, it's kind of like, I will pay you in beer and pizza. And while I won't say no to that, I would rather have money. Yes, true. I would rather have money. (laughs) Pizza is good, beer is good, but they don't pay the bills. But I could buy my own pizza and beer. With the money that I have left over after paying my bills. Exactly. I really want pizza now. I'm kind of full of pizza. You should order some. <laughs> Let's order some. You want to order some pizza? Yeah, we'll order the same pizza, and we'll eat the same pizza, and it'll be like, we're together. Oh, that's so cute. We could. We should do that for yes. Fennel and Five Happy Hour. <laughs> oh my god, we should. <laughs> Tune in to our next happy hour to listen to us eat the same pizza. <laughs> On Patreon, by the way. So, yes. y'all listening and want to hear a little bit more extra content, Follow us on Patreon. If you can't get enough of us, check it. Anyway, um, so I, I like how you pointed that out because I, I just don't like it when I'm being asked to do something for free anymore. It doesn't happen to me much anymore. I don't know about you. I think it happens to me with like, I get, I've been getting some emails lately about local orchestras and they're all volunteer again. I, I've I don't think there's any problem having those kind of orchestras out there because there are people who are not professional musicians. They have full-time jobs, and music is something that they... They do for funsies. Yeah, exactly. And so I get why those are out there, and I think because I spent a good majority of, like, before the pandemic, especially when I was out of school, like, subbing in for, like, a concert or two because I wanted to gain a little bit more experience. I wanted to put my name out there. Have something to do. Yeah, have something to do and not just sit around twiddling my thumbs all day. Hmm. I think because I did that in the past, I've been getting these emails now and I've just been kind of like sitting there. I'm like, I'm not going to do this because I need to think about what is valuable for my time. Mm -hmm. And I want to be taken a little bit more seriously. I think I finally came to this realization during the pandemic, but yeah. There used to be someone who we went to school with who ran a wedding contracting program this person will remain unnamed but they used to shortchange all the musicians and by shortchange i mean like they'd pay like 80 dollars per musician per wedding and they would provide the music last minute very last minute mm. like at the gig last minute mm. and one time this person's spouse drove me to and from a gig and almost got us in a wreck on i-75 Mm-mm. because they were not checking their blind spots, and I guess that was my responsibility as a passenger to do so. I guess. It, it's it's hard when you're a student, especially especially when you're a student, and you don't have a ton of lucrative income, and you're trying to like get yourself known in the music world because uh, the so music world... So you literally will take anything. Yeah, you will literally take anything, but you think about it like dating. Even though you might be um, lonely and maybe uh, really wanting it to significant another, like, you still have standards. Yes. Like, you know, you're not going to just settle for the first person you see that you find attractive. You know, maybe, I don't know, whatever excuse. It's the same for gigs. Mm-hmm. Don't take it just because it's going to pay you a little bit. Pay attention to what other people say because other people were talking that this whole wedding contracting thing that this person was doing was not very lucrative that the person didn't really deal with people very well i don't really know where i'm going with this don't take things just for the sake of like 
feeling compensated. No, I agree with that. I And I think the reason why, like, you experienced this is because you had no clue. You, you hadn't experienced it yourself, and then when you finally did, you mm-hmm. got an idea like, okay, is this worth my time in the future? Yeah. And not saying that if you make, if this happens to you personally and you're listening to this, it doesn't make you any less of a person. It's a learning experience because if we mm-hmm. don't try things and we're not sure, but we're not sure about it, and then mm-hmm. once we experience them, we finally get a re- realization like, is this something that I want to continue doing in the future or I should step aside and say no? And I think, I mean, it relates to a lot of this. These two I was going to say, this actually relates to the whole chapter because this chapter is yeah. about how you learn from your failures and the next mm-hmm. ha- chapter is the importance of saying no to things. So, yeah. I mean, you learn you learn things in life through trial and error and you really got to put yourself out there for things and learn. I think you should be able to learn from your experience and draw, be able to draw from others' experience as well. But mm-hmm. don't, don't shortchange yourself. Don't play free no. gigs. Even if you, even if music is a hobby for you or photography is a hobby for you, don't do stuff for free. I mean, get get some beer out of it or something. Like your time and effort is worth more than that. (laughs) It is worth something. Now, if I'm like, for instance, I think like the only time I really will do something for free is if it's like for my family or like, um, I've been asked before to play at my church and I've been going there since I was four. I, and I've known some of the people my entire life, and I was part of the choir there for many, many, many years. Yeah. So I partook in a lot of musical things, and so every now and then, if I come home, I get asked from them, like, hey, would you mind, you're in town, would you mind playing, like, a quick little song or something? I don't mind doing that for free. I don't care, because, yeah. like... One, it doesn't take that much rehearsal time, to be very honest. I, mm-hmm. I feel like every time I play at my church, it's, like, really easy. And I'm like, oh, like, I could just do some cool little things here and just feel, like, really comfortable. But mm-hmm. now, for instance, you played at my church at a funeral. That's a little bit different. I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. you got paid, and my mom went the same way, and so we paid you. Like, yeah. that's a little bit different. And I've definitely played at my church before for people. I mean, I think I got paid for that funeral, too. I think you did, too. I think I got paid, and I didn't expect it. Because I was just like, you know, in that kind of circumstance, I'm like, if this person wanted me to play at their funeral, like, don't worry about it. But they gave me the money, and I accepted it. And I've definitely done, like, weddings there before and gotten paid. And I was just like, okay, like, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, normally people will appreciate the time and effort you put into things and pay you. And usually, Mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like it's a red flag if there's not some sort of offer or gesture yeah, for special occasions like that, it definitely I've been c- compensated, but for like a service, literally the performance is like a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I, w- I think I would play your wedding for free. Aww. I like, if you too. wanted me to, if, if you asked me to play at your wedding, I'd be like, hell yes. But I, I, so I guess with our advice, you need to take it with a grain of salt. Yes. But I, I think the situations where you would do something for free are, free are few and far in between, and the people that you would do quote-unquote free things for normally that's a relationship where there's a lot of giving and receiving of stuff anyway mm-hmm. like I, I can't count the number of times like we bought each other drinks or food or like you did headshots for me yeah and you bought like my beer or something after that didn't you yeah, yeah. or lunch or something yeah. I remember like we hung out I afterwards remember. so in that situation I've definitely had like I've had friends in the past and they've like taken photos of me and 
I'll be like, do you want me to pay you? And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't, you're fine. And I'm like, well, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let me buy you this. Yeah. Let me do something. Yeah. As a gesture that says, I appreciate the work that you did for me. Let me compensate you in a small way if you would accept it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you should appreciate what people do. Always offer to pay people. And you should definitely always go out on a limb and try things because that's the only way you're going to learn things mm-hmm. one thing that i thought was interesting that um what's his face says what, what's his name mark, mark manson. manson charles manson charles manson <laughs> i'm sure he probably gets that all the time <laughs> if you think about it like when you think when you hear that last name manson i just think about charles manson yeah that's like or Marilyn Manson. yeah that's like who you think of right away yeah <laughs> is it bad that I, I i i don't know if i should say this on the podcast i get i sometimes get Charles Manson and Marilyn Manson mixed up. You're fine. I also get pescatarian and presbyterian mixed up. <laughs> so one's a religion and the other one is someone who doesn't eat the fish? only kind of meat they eat is fi- oh. no the only kind of meat they eat is yeah, fish. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> but they sound similar. They do. Presbyterian, pescatarian. I mean, I used to get vegetarian, veterinarian mixed up. So when I was, <laughs> I didn't, I have a vivid memory of second grade where we wrote down what we wanted to be when we grew up at the time seven-year-old <laughs> Catherine wanted to be a veterinarian but instead she put vegetarian <laughs> you have high goals and my teacher came up to me like this was like in the playground after school and she was like Catherine can I just ask you a question and I was like sure and she said did you mean to put vegetarian here I was like that's a vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> and then she told me the difference and I just was like, "Oh, no, I want to be the animal one." <laughs> the Oh, so you want to be a carnivore. Got it. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I I ended up not becoming a veterinarian. I don't think I have the heart. Are you a vegetarian? Uh actually, some people think I am. I think when I was working at Pizza Hut, a lot of people thought I was. And even at Marco's, when I was working at Marco's Pizza. Because I never ate the pizza there. I didn't care for it. I was like, I don't want to eat this. So because I didn't eat... Yeah, I mean, you're surrounded by it all the time, so it probably gets kind of gross yeah, to you. Yeah, and I don't like Meat Lovers pizzas. I think they're, they're so gross. Like, Yeah, I don't really care for them. I'll have, like, a slice, and then I'm like, I'm good. I do not care for it whatsoever. I think it's gross. It's I don't just either. It's too much for me. And I think because I just Mm -hmm. didn't eat it all the time, and other people did, because I feel like Meat Lovers Pizzas at Pizza Hut always got messed up. So we would always eat, like, I know, it's a pizza day. But I feel like because I wouldn't eat, like, those mess up pizzas, Mm -hmm. people thought I was, like, vegetarian. And then one time, like, old hiring manager was like, oh no, she's vegan. And I, like, looked at him and I'm like, what? (laughs) Because I just Mm -hmm. didn't eat the food there. And I explained to him, I was like, You know the reason why I applied to Pizza Hut was because I hate Pizza Hut, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know I'm not going to get sick of this, but it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway, that was a rant. <laughs> yeah, we got, like, so off. We we were doing so well with being attached to what we were talking about, and now we're... Oh, oh, I, I was going to say that one thing that I thought he was... That he said was interesting, and then I got caught up on his name and how I get everything mixed up. Did, did you know that I also went through a period in high school... Now, keep in mind, I was an honors and AP student, so, like, I was a little smart girl. I couldn't tell you where Sweden and Switzerland were on a map because I got their names mixed up. I always thought that 
one was the other. I mean, if you think about it, though, like, I always get mixed up where Norway and Norway, Sweden, and Finland are plays sometimes, because they're all just, like, bundled up up there together. They're all, like, on that fish, and I'm like, I know, like, two of them share the fish. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, um, a big chunk of our listeners are actually starting to be in Sweden, so we should probably apologize. We're ignorant Americans. We are. We are. We we don't know. We don't know a lot of things. No. Yeah. We are definitely ignorant. <laughs> yeah, but um Oh yeah, Mark Manson. So what he says <laughs> He says that uh we need to create values that encourage consistent growth instead of values that have a definite def oh my god, definite end date. And I thought that was interesting because normally when you're making end goals for yourself I feel like people make a lot of like definite end goals and they are a bigger they're a big part of actually setting goals but maybe the whole idea is to just keep your overall goals vaguer but he does say he does go on to say that setting more definite goals are good for short term so I guess Mm -hmm. I was thinking more like if you want to cut back on drinking alcohol you're like okay I'm going to stick to no more than seven drinks a week that's a definite goal that you're going to hit hopefully but he said it can limit happiness long term if you're consistently doing that because you kind of meet that goal and you're like, now what? You know, if your goal is to lose 20 pounds and you lose 20 pounds, and you're like, well, well, shit, now what? How I see it in a music perspective, and maybe it's because I'm in audition mode right now. So you can have like a set goal where it's like, okay, I want to do this audition. And mm-hmm. what you do as the days lead up to that one audition is you practice excerpts. You work, you might have a goal, like small goals for getting better at this one concept with one excerpt or maybe feeling a little bit more comfortable with another excerpt maybe it's feeling better with your overall nerves and then once that audition happens and ends instead of thinking like now what you might be thinking now what for a while but there's also a possibility of seeing what you can look forward to after that audition happens is there another audition happening is there something other opportunity in music that is coming up that you can prepare for next So I've been doing auditions. I did an audition on Saturday, and then I did a mock audition this morning. And I had small goals leading up to these two auditions of practicing these specific excerpts, trying to feel a little bit more comfortable. What I noticed after my first audition was I got really nervous. Despite me practicing in front of my phone and recording myself multiple times and feeling that pressure, Mm -hmm. I still felt hella nervous when I got to the room and stood in front of like four people and I was like oh wow oh shit (laughs) I know I like looked at them and I was like wow it's been a while since we've all been in this situation hasn't it (laughs) like wow hey how are you what are y'all doing here yeah come here often I think I also like mentioned I was like wow it's a little bit different than playing in front of your cat (laughs) because my cat does not care she just sleeps did you see them writing as you said that they're like crazy cat lady question 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 (laughs) no but I did see them writing like in my peripherals when I um played my solo (laughs) excerpt they were like really fast in writing this after what I I did some like flourishes and stuff and I they started writing down really quickly and I was like (laughs) oh snap like I wasn't expecting it (laughs) so my goal after that Um, between that audition and the mock audition 
was I wanted to work on feeling a little bit more better with my nerves and playing in a nervous Mm -hmm. situation. So that was my goal. And then I did the audition today. And was I still nervous a little bit? I wasn't as nervous as I was on Saturday. And then I realized I need to work on another goal of mine. What's that goal, Catherine? Read every single detail in the audition list. Reading comprehension. (laughs) It was my fault. I played an excerpt. I didn't play the excerpt fully. And it just didn't come to me. I've had the list printed out for over a month. I've been practicing these excerpts for over a month. I did not see the, the tiny detail to continue on past a certain amount of measures and I didn't do it and for some reason it just didn't comprehend I think again it was my fault I should have paid attention a little bit more to detail that was the thing so now for the next audition that I do next month I'm gonna look at every single detail yeah and work on my nerves a little bit more yes I mean that's what I kind of think about it when you mention the goals and you know like now what kind of deal because I feel like there's always you can have a certain goal, like a vague goal in mind, but I always feel like when mm-hmm. I reach that vague goal, there's always something else after it that I can work towards. Yeah. I think it's more like using definite end goals to kind of drive the force of your mm-hmm. vague goal because otherwise your long-term goal is just too vague and you're like, I don't know what to do. But I think I kind of fell into this trap during COVID because like I've said in several podcasts, I haven't been practicing that much and partly because uh why would I need to I don't have any performance things I don't have any auditions like what's going on so one of the orchestras that I sub with is actually having a section violin audition at the end of next month and I saw that and I'm like I'm gonna try for it you should I probably won't get it but if I can use it just as incentive for me to start practicing consistently more that's good enough that's all I need I think that's good so it's about not falling into the same trap that we've been falling into where We need that outside motivation to drive us. Yeah. This Polish psychologist, uh, Kamaritz Dabrowski, question mark, who observed people after World War II and found out that they actually came out of the experience stronger and happier. And I guess his his, uh, conclusion was that he argued that negative emotions are necessary for psychological and emotional growth. You develop greater emotional resilience, a stronger sense of self, increased compassion, and a happier life. And it's like sometimes we just need to hit rock bottom or have a strong negative experience to question our own personal values and have a change of perspective. Mm -hmm. And what I thought based on that was look at us. Uh, I kind of say this with a grain of salt now because I'm kind of nervous that we're going to get into another lockdown situation with the Delta variant. But look at us kind of coming out of COVID. We have all kind of questioned, uh, COVID has just been a big isolation experiment where we've had to be in touch with ourselves a lot more than we have ever had to because we haven't had, we haven't had anything to do. And it's brought out a lot of negative experiences in people. Uh, struggles with substance abuse, like alcohol, like the, have you seen the statistics for the people drinking during this pandemic? It's just, people drink so much now. And like how we spend our free time, who we spend our free time with, like what our priorities are. 
and kind of knowing what you take for granted. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like COVID has kind of led me to question some of my personal values. I agree because I feel the same way. Mm -hmm. I notice that I work all the freaking time and I never take time for myself. And what I've learned is, you know, that's not a healthy way to live. And there's no reason why to overwork yourself. It kind of, I think this really relates to like finding boundaries and making sure that like, you know, your limits. It's what happened in the Olympics this past, literally within like the last 24 hours with Simone Biles. That's fucking ridiculous. I mean, she literally just like said, I'm not doing this anymore and she's doing it for her mental health because she's literally the best and she's doing all these moves stunts tricks whatever i don't i don't know that much about gymnastics unfortunately that a lot of people literally cannot do and they're saying that they can't judge her based on that that'd be like if tom brady's touchdowns didn't count yeah so i mean sometimes you're just gonna have a goat someone who is just phenomenal at whatever they're doing and you gotta you gotta give them credit for that yeah i mean tom brady wouldn't be tom brady if you know we counted half of his touchdowns so why the hell is does simone biles not get judged based on her insane moves that she does because she's black because she's a woman who knows who knows and i mean whoever <clears throat> gives her flack for stepping down during the olympics like, chill out. I hope you have some big balls, because she could probably kick your exactly. ass. Exactly. Because, like, she's under enormous pressure, especially during this time. Mm-hmm. The Olympics happen, what, every four years? And if you think about it, with athletes and Olympians especially, like, they... Well, four years is a long time. It's a long time, and for certain sports, like, like soccer... I heard something that the oldest, oh, what was it? There was, like, one announcement that said, oh, this player is 32. He's the oldest on the team. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah, soccer players normally don't last until their 30s. Yeah. And so Simone Biles is under enormous pressure because it's like, okay, is she going to bring on the gold like she did last time? Is this, like, her last year doing it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, she's under this enormous pressure. No wonder she stepped down. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with musicians. We're under enormous pressure to do our best, to play mm-hmm. our best. We spend so many hours of practice and rehearsal time for one concert, and then we do it all again for the next concert. And it could Wash, be... Wash, rinse, and repeat. <laughs> yeah, and it it's not four years of a split because obviously we're not the Olympics, but I mean, for some of us that plan like local orchestras or whatnot, we have concerts like every like month or so, or maybe every two months, Mm -hmm. who knows. Mm -hmm. And it's like everything leads up to that one concert and you better do your best. And it's a little bit scary. It's the same with auditions. You spend all this amount of time of practice and you get to that one audition and you literally spend what, five minutes in that room? Yeah, if even. You're under enormous pressure about, I need to do my best. So I have one shot. Yeah, you had one shot. I'm thinking about the Eminem song. <laughs> Sorry. Or Hamilton. Hamilton too. I haven't watched Hamilton in a very long time, so I'm like, my brain is just... Dave and I are going to see it in September, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. jealous. Ugh. I'm so excited. That is exciting, though. The last thing that I wanted to say about this chapter is he has a section called the Do Something Principle. And it basically states that you won't get anywhere by not taking action. Oops. 
hit my desk. And often people become immobilized when they're faced with change or feeling overwhelmed. He says that a lot of people wait to uh, kind of become motivated or inspired and then they take the action instead of realizing that, hey, if you take baby action, you're going to become inspired and then that's going to give you motivation and then that's going to cause you to do more action. If you're feeling overwhelmed with anything, it's better to do something than choose not to do anything because then you will keep pushing it off. You also need to break things into smaller, more manageable tasks and that mm-hmm. will be help you kind of do the thing. Just do the thing. Just do it! Make Just your dreams do it. come true. <laughs> Insert Shia LaBeouf meme here. <laughs> I just like think about him behind, like in front of that green screen, and he's like, "Do it!" Like doing this weird, like, like, like flexing. Yeah. Like flexing his like upper chest muscles. Yeah, and he's like, "Make your dreams come true," and I'm like, "Okay, Shia LaBeouf, <sighs> chill out." Okay. Right. What happened right. to you? I'll do, I'll I do can't it. Green I'll do the thing. Do you know what I'm referencing? Vaguely. Did you ever watch no. Holes? What? No. What? Did you ever read Holes? Watch. No. It's about oh. holes, right? Like, in the ground, like, they dig holes. Yeah, and then they made a movie of it, and it was really good. Actually, I think I watched it. I don't remember much about it, though. They're in a desert, right? And they dig? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And they're they're trying to find something? Mm-hmm. Uh, Very yeah. treasure? No. Like, they have Sigourney yes. Weavers in this. <laughs> Who's that? I know the name... Don't oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no, you, what you need to do is you have some homework, young man. Um, do you have Disney? I'm Plus? a man now. No, ma'am. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I was just like, oh. But I, I think that movie came out like in 2003 or something. I just remember it came out at least when I was like in late elementary school, like fourth mm-hmm. or fifth grade. But I read I, that was one of my favorite books. I know it's supposed to be really good. I just I just never read it. And then I think I watched the movie. But I don't remember much about it. You should definitely read Holes. I don't retain media that well. I'm like a speed reader. I will read books very fast, but I I will forget what I read in like a month or two. Maybe we should like read Holes on this podcast. We could. I can get we my could. OG book. Ask my dad to mail it to me or something like that. That'd be um, cute. But it's... I just remember it was one of my favorite books growing up, and when I watched, when they made it into a movie, I was so excited, because to watch it come to life was a whole yeah. different experience along with it, and it, I, I, I thought it was pretty good, so. Get it? It's a whole different experience, like, Holes, like, the book is called Holes, and the movie's called Holes, Holes, whole different, you get it? Oh, yeah. You get it? I get it. You got it? said no because that's the next chapter the importance of saying no i should have said like no Catherine, you're bullying me <laughs> no Brittany, i'm <laughs> teaching you i'm just kidding i think i think it's bullying but <laughs> it's a whole chapter about saying no and the funny thing is is that this chapter made me realize that i have a hard time saying no oh same here I think that we, as musicians, kind of have that instilled in us because 
we are freelance and we never know when we're going to get like our next paycheck or our next monies. So we feel obligated to say yes to everything. Because it, we, we, it starts out in music school. Because like when mm-hmm. we're in music school, we're like, oh, I get, I'm getting a gig. Yes, yes. Take it, take it, take it. And then it happens it. again like a, take like it, a take few it, months take later it. and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah, take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David's kind of been not getting on my case because I have been, I've been doing DoorDash and Uber Eats to get us extra money. Next week, uh, school is starting in Cobb County in Georgia. So I actually have a shit ton of recruiting gigs, which I'm very happy about. But I have, I have that. I'm going to be practicing more. I'm still teaching. And every few days, he's like, hey, make sure you're taking time to, like, exercise and do stuff that you want to do. He's he's kind of Aww. always in my ear reminding me to self-care. And I'm, I'm glad that I have him as that supporting support beam. Support crutch? Support. Support, support system. Support beam? <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking gymnastics now. I don't, support beam's not even gymnastics. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like a concrete beam in the bottom of a building where like there's the parking The steel garage. beams. <laughs> he's your he's the parking garage. To he's your the parking garage. House. I don't know. Wow. I, I, we, I'm happy. We are fully we are fully awake and coherent. Um just even though y'all we might know. not be. <laughs> No. I, I'm happy I have him as my support system during this because I think without that, I would neglect a lot of things. And you do need to realize that you can say no to things. You can say no mm-hmm. to people. You can say no to gigs. You can say no to anything. Yeah. And you have to. Yeah, I agree. Like, on Saturday, I had an audition. And I think it might have been either earlier that week or the previous week. But I was asked by somebody to, if I would be willing to play, play with my students at this show or like this. Like a gallery? I think more of like an art fair or a craft fair or something. Mm -hmm. And it's at this church that I, you know, I did a few performances at in the past. And I was like, as much as that sounds fun, I can't. I, I explained that I have something going on and the one student that I knew that would be able to do it was out of town. And so I listened to my gut and I was like, as much as I want to play for this and help you guys out and pitch in, this is not the right time. And it definitely was not the right time. And I'm very thankful for that because I was already stressed out with my broken AC. So mm-hmm. saying no to things can eat like if I knew that if I said yes to that I probably would have been not only stressed about the audition itself but managing time between being there at the craft fair whatever playing and then okay I need to be here at this time make sure I'm like ready and stuff maybe have like a Mm -hmm. snack feel hydrated at least all that junk but I'm glad it didn't happen because I was more worried about my cat dying in the unventilated apartment (laughs) yeah and dying inside from heat (laughs) rejection makes your life better and no one likes doing it no one likes rejecting other things and no one likes being rejected and this is just something that we just don't deal with rejection very well it's just something we we honestly suck at as people but if you are saying yes to everything or if you don't set boundaries for yourself what do you stand for yeah. Who are you really making happy? Because it's not yourself. 
it might feel good in the short term, but it makes you directionless long term and overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and unhappy. You have to give a fuck about something and you have to reject other things in order to value the thing that you give a fuck about. There's this whole section on boundaries and in it, most of the focus is set on boundaries within a romantic relationship, how people basically get high off of romantic love. And it makes sense. It's, it's kind of like how uh, couples have that honeymoon phase. Everything seems great for the first, what, six months yeah. or so, yeah. give or take. I think it kind of depends on the relationship. But kind of after that, and you're like, oh, wait. There's a problem. It's not all rosy. <laughs> if you think about it, too, things that we watch on TV is so unrealistic. Like, relationships are so, I mean, at least when we were growing up, when we were, like, watching, like, love stories and stuff, like, uh, mm-hmm. The Notebook. The Notebook. Or yeah. Freaking Titanic. I hate that movie. I hate that movie so much. Sorry, if any, you love The Notebook, I'm sorry. It's not that good of a movie. Mm-hmm. It, it bored me to tears. If you want to watch a good <laughs> Nicholas Sparks movie, watch A Walk to Remember. Many more is in it, and she sings, and she's a freaking angel. Anyway. Oh, okay, Catherine, calm down, calm down. But they give us, like, these, like, unrealistic portrayals of relationships. Like, they do show, like, conflicts and stuff, but it's completely different from when you actually encounter a real relationship. Because real relationships, mm-hmm. you know, they're not always, like, sunshine and rainbows. You're going to have, like... And it's not always, like, drastic actions that you need to do. Because I feel like in, like, the problem of every movie, it requires like, some kind of drastic action or it's like usually the guy has to do something to win the girl back and it's just it's such a played out trope yeah it's so played out and like guys don't know what we're thinking oh the first like few years of me and woody dating not the first few years like the first at least the first full year maybe a little bit after that as well before we broke up i remember like whenever i was like upset with him or mad I wouldn't tell him because I expected him to know because I always like would watch it like in shows. That's like what media portrays. Yeah. Yeah. And then Woody would just come up to me. He's like, what's wrong? I'm not a mind reader. What, what do you want? Why are you mad? Hmm. You should know. Hmm. Now, if something is bothering me, like I will tell him Mm -hmm. because that is how, yeah. Communication is honestly key as cliche as that sounds communication is the only way that dave and i got through being long distance for two years like if you don't communicate with your partner how are you like what are you there for it's not always going to be like passionate love all the time either like you're gonna have some petty fights oh like, yeah for instance <laughs> what he always gets on my ass about leaving the toilet seat up because <laughs> i do that and he's like why did you leave the toilet seat up and i'm like i forgot i'm sorry well, you need to keep it down because you leave it down up all the time. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I forgot that one time. He's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, ah! I did food deliveries today and I had a haircut scheduled right before I was supposed to record with you. And I normally do food deliveries during like the lunch hours or the dinner hours. And I texted David because he's home today. And I was like, can you please make me a sandwich when I get home so that way I can just eat it and go? And he's like, yeah, sure, babe. I get home, there's no fucking sandwich made. <laughs> I'm like, I told you to make me a sandwich. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, you, I forgot you had a haircut. And I was, I was annoyed. But yeah, it's like one of those petty things. Or, you know, we talk about on our Patreon a lot. I always ask him to make me drinks. And then he doesn't make me drinks. And I get really <laughs> upset. 
I'm definitely David in y'all's relationship. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> there are times where I start reading an email and Woody is talking to me. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like not listening to what he's saying. Oh, I do that too. I can't look at my phone when he's talking to me because... I literally, like, an email will come in or a text will come in and I'll just start reading it and he's talking to me. And then I'm like, I'm sorry, can you repeat everything you just said? Because I was not I paying attention. What if he'll literally <laughs> just stare at me and he just, like, nods his head. He's like, you're paying attention. And I'm like, uh, uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> what I really liked about this specific part of the chapter was that both parties need to, like, you know, set boundaries for each other and, like, support each other, and it's not one-sided at all. Yeah, it can't, it needs to be, like, a give and take. It can't be one person doing everything. He says, uh, in all relationships, and this this part goes beyond romantic love, this is your family, your friends, your, your mm-hmm. spouse, your partner, whoever, there are two things that will make the relationship healthy. And it's how well each person accepts responsibility for their actions and their values and their feelings and the willingness to reject and be rejected by their partner. Mm-hmm. So it's all about setting setting boundaries and accepting responsibility for your own feelings. And I, I know people, and I think I've been guilty of this sometimes, who will accept responsibility for not only their own feelings, but also their partner's. And you, mm-hmm. you can't do that. You can't control people. So, for example, if I if I do David and me, like, David's a grown-ass man. He's a handle yeah. his own shit. I can handle yeah. my shit. I can help the relationship by handling my own shit. And I will be there to support him. But he needs to go out and work on his own stuff. Yeah. It's the same with me and Woody. For me, I'm a very independent person, regardless, mm-hmm. like, being in a relationship. And I like to accept responsibility for things that are mine. For instance, Mm -hmm. me paying off my car. That's my responsibility. It's not Woody's responsibility. He wasn't the one that totaled my car. I was the one that totaled my car. Was it stupid? Absolutely, it was stupid. Still not over it, anyway. But I'm not gonna go up to Woody and make him pay my payments every month. That's not his Mm -hmm. responsibility. That's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's a sense of pride as well. We talked about it last night. He was like, I don't mind paying, like, and I'm like, no, it's pride. It's a sense of pride, really, for me, at least. Yeah, pride can kill you, though. Like, pride is, I mean, I'm a very prideful person, too, and there, there are some points where you just need to suck it up and accept or ask for help. Yeah, but I did tell him, I was like, I managed to pay off this much, much so far of my car. I only have this much left. It's not that much left. I'm very proud of myself. Yeah. And I just told him, I was like, I'm so close to my goal, and I just, I can't wait to just fully pay this off for it myself. And I told him, I was like, this is my responsibility, it's not yours. You're not the one that put yourself in my situation. You're not the one that put me, you're not the one that got this car or chose this car. I chose this car for myself, so. There are two quotes I wanted to read from this section. The first one was, acts of love are valid only if they are performed without conditions or expectations. And then the second one was, It's not about giving a fuck about everything your partner gives a fuck about. It's about giving a fuck about your partner regardless of the fucks he or she gives. Mm. He has a section on how to build trust. (laughs) Another quote. There are a lot of quotes because I thought this chapter was kind of interesting. I quote, If disappointment panda were here, he'd tell you that the pain in our relationship is necessary to cement our trust in each other and produce greater intimacy. He basically says that we, we need to 
argue and have conflicts and disagreements in order to build trust. Without discord, someone's personality will become dominant over the relationship and that will make the relationship toxic. And I also kind of think about that with, like, you know, our own self, I guess, like, Mm -hmm. our own minds. And I think about this back to, like, music and how we talked about trust with the inner game of music, too. Like, this Mm kind of, like, correlates in a weird way. I mean, when you think about it, you have not, it's not just a relationship with, like, your own mind, like, not psyching you out if you're in an audition situation or whatnot. You kind of have to trust yourself that you know the music, you've worked so hard for this and stuff, but it's also, Mm -hmm. like, you have this weird relationship with your instrument, too. Like, you can't just blame everything on your instrument. Like, oh, it was my instrument that made me crack my note. Like, Oh, I I don't have enough rosin on my bow. That's why I sound like shit. (laughs) There's another quote. Trust is the most important ingredient in any relationship for the simple reason that without trust, the relationship doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, I have to trust myself. And I, I, I thought about this a lot yesterday, actually, because yesterday was the first time I played all these excerpts in one full day. And mm-hmm. it was weird because I I approached practicing these excerpts differently. I feel like I didn't spend as much time as I have in the past. And maybe it's because, like, I didn't want to overplay these excerpts to begin with. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when I've overplayed things, like, it just gets worse. And you start reading into it too much. Yeah. And, I've been there. I get that. And I think part of the reason why I was nervous was because I had a little bit more limited time practicing these excerpts compared to, like previous auditions in the past and I mean granted like that when that was going on before COVID I it was the time I was in school and I had the time to practice you know I feel like it's actually better when you do have limited time because mm-hmm. then you're like okay I have this amount of time what can I do most productively in this time yeah I I just sat there and it was like you know you had this limited time but you trust yourself that you know these excerpts very well you not mm. only practice them physically, but you've listened to them, you score studied them, you know what's going on in the music, and it's like, you have to trust yourself, you know, put yourself out there and give it a go. You are literally in a relationship with yourself in some weird way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like how you, you like internally have conversations with yourself. Oh, yeah, that happens a lot. And you do kind of have a relationship with yourself. I think that's where, like, self-esteem and, like, self-image and all that stuff kind of comes into Mm -hmm. play. Yep. While this is focused, I would say, probably 80% on romantic relationships, I think it can be applied to other relationships, such as yourself, such as your family, your friends. Yeah. There's this whole section at the end that talks about cheating, which is kind of, I feel like, naturally going to be brought up when talking about trust. Um, I don't really feel a need to talk about that. Don't cheat. You're a shitty person if you cheat. Don't you cheat. Don't don't you cheat. He's He says the big thing that I thought was interesting about cheating is normally the issue is that the person who's being cheated on will accept an apology without questioning the values or what the partner gives a fuck about that led them to the situation where they felt the need to cheat and that your relationship becomes a burden if you don't have trust. Mm-hmm. And you also need to take uh, someone's track record into consideration. Uh, you need to see consistent consistent improved behavior it's the whole like fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me sort of thing the reason why i said this is because he talks he in this whole section about cheating at the very end he's like oh it's not just cheating but it's anything that can cause any sort of breach in a relationship he says uh trust is like a china plate if you break it once with some care and attention you can put it back together again but if you break it again It splits into even more pieces, and it takes far longer to piece together again. 
If you break it more and more times, eventually it shatters to the point where it is impossible to restore. There are too many broken pieces and too much dust. That analogy is actually, make, like, it makes a lot of sense. And the, it does make a sense why a breach in, in trust that would shatter your trust in, in a relationship, whether it's like a romantic partner, a friend, yourself, would be so devastating to the relationship. Without trust, you don't have, your relationship doesn't have any merit. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust only gives you so many chances. It's like a sad and real truth, though. Mm-hmm. And even if you love somebody and you just don't trust them, like, that relationship is not going to thrive. It's just going to get more tense and worse. No, it's just, it's going to cause anxiety and worry. And there kind of comes a point where you're like, wait, I'm not happy. This isn't worth it. And it's not just with relation, like, romantic relationships. It's with friendships. And we talked about this last week when we talked about, like, these friendship breakups that we had and Mm -hmm. I mean like if you notice that you're feeling tense and not happy with a friendship that's a problem even if you address the situation and nothing gets changed that's even worse you might want to think about a friend breakup do I want to be friends with somebody that and it kind of goes back to what he was talking about this it's not about giving a fuck about everything your partner gives a fuck about yeah like there's either a person that is taking the responsibility for the problems and emotions that are not theirs or they're demanding that Mm -hmm. someone else takes responsibility for those problems and emotions and again it Mm -hmm. literally took me back to what we talked about last week with the friendship breakups and with my experience with that because that's how I felt what really put me at a breaking point with this friendship, and I'll just, like, share it, because why not? I was told I was never there for that person mm-hmm. when we had this fight. It really hit me hard, because mm-hmm. when I was by myself, I literally cried, because I thought I had been there for this person. I did, for the years of friendship that we had, I bent over backwards, being with this friend when they were crying over somebody that they broke up with, or helping them out their family out when they needed it. And taking time out of my day to practice or to relax, to hang out with them when they wanted to hang out. So hearing that I was never there for them really hurt me. And Mm -hmm. even when we like took some time apart and then we got back together and hung out one day and tried to talk over things, all they kept telling me was I created this problem. I created the situation and I need to take responsibility for it. And I just, after that, meet up I just remember sitting down and reflecting the situation and saying like this is not worth it Mm -hmm. I already felt hurt for being told I was never there that original trust that you know created the friendship you know me being there and having that support system literally just crumbled even today like this person will still reach out to me every now and then and I am cordial to them but do I completely trust them? No. And I have boundaries mm-hmm. set up because they will say things like, they will say things that make it seem like we had never... Had a falling out. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm always there for you. Oh, come, let's do a vacation. Things like that. And it's I... It's like the most you're ever going to feel towards this person is lukewarm. Yeah. And I kind of just sit there and I, I'll look at the message and I... I don't respond in a way I'm like, yeah, like, that's awesome. Sure, totally. I just, I kind of just pass it off, which is really mean. But at the same time, like, that's my boundary because I don't completely trust this person as I fully did 10 years ago. So. And if the person doesn't value the same things you do, why would you want them back in your life? 
Exactly. I Again, I'm cordial to this person. I do not mind that whatsoever. But I do have that boundary where it's like, I don't really feel comfortable hanging out with you right now because I still have trust issues. I have, re I have resentment still from some of the comments that this person has told me in the past. Told me things mm -hmm. like I needed a breakup with Woody because I was spending too much time with him when we first started dating. Like, that was the thing. Kind like, of a weird thing to say. And, and again, it just comes back to, like, the situation that he talks about with these conversations of having one person making the other person take responsibility for all the emotions and reactions and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. I was the person that had to feel bad. There were th times where I definitely felt bad for it. There were people, like, I'm sure you saw it when we were friends. <laughs> when I was friends with this person, you saw it. Mm -hmm. And I was, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there were moments where I was definitely unhappy and miserable. I know oh, yeah. I had other friends that noticed it too, and I didn't see it. And when I finally saw it, I was like, this is not healthy for me. And I, I do feel like I'm in a better place. I do feel like I can't trust certain people as much anymore. Or I feel like when I meet somebody new, I'm not going to go full out and be like, oh, you're my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not, because that's kind of how it happened when this person I became friends, so... We're, we're about at the end here. Is mm -hmm. there anything else that you wanted to say about these two chapters? I just thought these I love chapters... This yeah, this book is great. I like these two chapters because it really presses on the issues that we try to avoid. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that. <laughs> well, it really makes you think about stuff that you wouldn't really go out of your way to think about. And I think it's really good to have a positive, reflective state, especially, again, like where we are currently i mean we're hopefully coming out of covid so i mean we want to you know go back to the world and have our best selves forward and how are we gonna do that if we can't think about these hard things yeah next week we are wrapping up this book and we have a special guest you'll need to wait to see next week you better tune in we'll find you do it do it that's it for this week's Fill and Pipe. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.